Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Ayu Suparman. Ayu is a mother to two young boys, the eldest being on the autism spectrum. Living in Singapore, she and her husband host a podcast called Parents Made Special, in which they share information and resources for families in their community. In today's conversation, Ayu talks about the different levels of autism awareness across Singapore's cultural landscape, the types of services available for families, the questions she asks herself regarding her son's future, how she and her husband work as a team, and why they started their podcast. In this episode, discover what's possible when safety invites honesty. For more information about Ayu, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, join our Facebook group Autism Knows No Borders, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project. And now, I present you, Ayu Suparman. Hi, Ayu. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure, Rachel. Could you please briefly introduce yourself? Yep, sure. So my name is Ayu Suparman, and I'm from Singapore. I have a son named Nasir who is diagnosed with autism at the age of three. So basically, I'm a working mother. And at the same time, I do have my separate podcasting in regards to autism as well. Yeah, wonderful. And we'll talk about your podcast later on. Yeah, sure. Let's start with talking about the level of understanding of autism in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So for Singapore itself, we do have like an annual event where we call it Purple Parade. This is to actually raise awareness and campaign for the inclusion of the disabled in Singapore. So I would say when, when I was actually younger, there was no educational learning like what is special needs, what is inclusive community, what is disability. So from young itself, we are not open to all this. So if in regards to awareness, I would say it's pretty much low in understanding like what is autism unless you are an educational person, a medical line, or you're actually a parent whereby your son or your daughter is diagnosed with this disability. Mm -hmm. Is it that people don't know what it is, like they haven't heard of it before or they just think it's something else? They have never heard of it before. Because let's say if we were talking about Down syndrome, it's pretty much clear that you can see the disability of a person. Whereas something got to do with neurological, they may not know like what is autism. Because at times when I share my friend, ah, my child has autism. So that's where he has meltdowns and all that. So they actually question me like, what is autism? I've never heard of autism before. But I know that government has been trying very much to push this awareness about autism. i just give you an example. I had an exchange session with a friend. She was also one of the advocates in Singapore as well. So she was sharing with me that they actually do a play card during the autism month in April. So they were going around the street to actually uh, speak to strangers and say, do you actually like to hold a play card with us to show that your acceptance of autism and your awareness of autism? So among 200 people that they actually approach, it's only like 10% of them would actually say yes. And then out of this 10%, they would say that 
okay, I would actually uh, help you hold the play card, but do not take my picture. So it's definitely that there's no acceptance as well in terms of autism. I see. Is there a stigma related to disabilities in Singapore? I would say yes, somewhere or other, because in Singapore, we actually have a multiracial and pretty much close and quite more of traditional culture, I would say. So when someone sees a disability, they will often really like it must either be the parent's genetic or it's their parent's karma or either that uh, is some disturbance of supernatural doings and all this. So disability is only associated more of like physical. It's not really like neurological that they understand about. So in terms of the stigma in the culture itself in Singapore, people pretty much doesn't want to talk about disability of their child because they find that it's something of a weakness and they don't want to talk about it. Mm, okay. So when your son was diagnosed, had you heard of autism before? Personally, not at all. The only time I actually realize or understand a little bit more what is autism, because I have an elder sister who is actually a special needs teacher. So she was actually sharing with me that she saw some red flags in my son. So she said, perhaps your son may have autism. So I asked her actually, what is autism? So she explained to me what is autism spectrum, what is a diagnosis, and what are you expecting in terms of the speech delay and all that. And that's where I start to relate. Ah. That's the reason why my son has a speech delay. That's why he has problem in socializing with people. So in other words, I do not even know what is autism, actually. Hmm. Okay, so you had to go and kind of educate yourself. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. So how did the stigma and how does it still affect your family's understanding of your son? I would give some experience in terms of going to public yeah. Last time when my son has a terrible meltdown, I still have difficulties of understanding how am I supposed to actually help him? In other words, when he have those terrible meltdown. So I myself and my husband, there was one point of time where we were so afraid to go out. We were so afraid to actually put our son out there and people would usually give a judgmental view of our son. So an example, let's say if I were to go out, my son has a terrible meltdown. People would actually look at us and they would think that we doesn't teach our son properly educate our son how to behave in public which in other words they do not understand that he has a special needs that no one understands mm-hmm. so in terms of the stigma itself in terms of the public and the community how they actually react towards this disability of autism I would say it's still a stigma over here mm-hmm. do they ever say anything to you? There was a couple of, I would say there's also good and also kind of bad experience. So maybe I shared the terrible experience I ever experienced before. There was once I actually went for a play date for autism child. So after the play date, we decided like, okay, let's go for a little shopping at the mall. So I guess my son wanted to really so much go into one of the shops and the store. And then he starts to have a terrible meltdown when I say that it's time to go. So he started to actually cry, roll down the floor. And at a point of time, me and my husband was trying very much to help in other words, try to put him together. So to try and put the situation better, we actually brought him out of the mall. And there was a couple in front of us who actually looked at us and they actually closed their ears to show how irritated they are with my son's behavior. Mm. And that really caused much of a pain, to be honest, emotionally, because I'm really trying my best to, to actually try to put the things together. In other words, you should be understanding enough. I don't also choose to have this situation at that point of time. So there was one of the experience that I actually received as well from community. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what about the positive experience? 
Yeah. So referring back to the play date, there was one lady, until today I still remember her. So she was going through a hard time. Her son does has autism as well, but another son of hers, she was going through a major brain operation. So she was sharing with the parents and educators over there about the hard time that she actually going through. And at a point of time, my son was there. He was actually listening to a conversation. He came over to her and hold her hand. Mm-hmm. And then she actually connected with me, DM me in Instagram, and she was saying that, you know what, you're such an amazing parent. You really taught your son well. And, you know, that was what I need. Just someone to hold my hand and say that everything is going to be okay. And it's just so wonderful that your son does that. So, in other words, I felt that, okay, there's someone out there in the community that appreciate my son, in other words, on his behavior and all that. And people think that kids with autism, they don't have any feelings. They do. They have feelings, just that they cannot express themselves, that's all. Yeah, that's really sweet that he did that. Yes, yes. So how about your extended family? Do they understand your son's diagnosis? Do you have a hard time explaining it to them? To be honest, my side, they were pretty much understanding. They gave a lot of support because at first, some of them doesn't know what is autism. So after my sister actually explained to them what is autism all about, they gave a lot of support. Even my late father, he also gives support by sending my son to therapy session every weekend. I do have a helper at home as well. She tries much to be understanding on my son's condition. So we educate everyone along the way. But they include him as well in the play, even the cousins as well, despite his condition. You know, last time, I still remember my nephew and niece ever asked, why is he not talking? Why is he not responding? Why does he doesn't want to play? But after we actually explained to him, ah, he's a bit different. He's a bit special. So in other words, we do have a lot of support. But from my husband's side, my husband is, is an Indonesian. So again, Indonesia culture as well, community, they are pretty much closed. Autism itself, because it's not so known as well, because he doesn't come from Jakarta. I think Jakarta is much stronger in terms of understanding and awareness. He comes from Jogja. So when he we try to explain to his family members, my son is diagnosed with autism, they, I do not know whether it's more of a denial, but they were saying, are you sure that Nasir has autism? I don't think so. Maybe he's just, a, uh, what do we call it, late boomers, a bit slow in understanding things. So that's how it is. It's a bit uh, different in terms of, I would say, acceptance as well for both family. Mm-hmm. And in Singapore, because it's kind of a melting pot of different cultures, do you think there's a difference in the attitudes towards autism from the different cultures in Singapore? It does, actually. When I speak to someone who is from, let's say, a Chinese background, they will also say the same thing and they face the same stigma as well. Uh, They will say that, you know, for every Chinese family, whenever they came to the person's house, they need to actually acknowledge the uncle or the older ones. So when the acknowledgement was not there, they find that, uh, again, you didn't teach your son or your daughter properly in terms of manners. Mm. Same goes for the Malay community. Some would think that it's supernatural, um, you know, disturbance and this kind of thing. So different culture have different beliefs. Uh, the stigma is still pretty much strong in different cultures as well over here. Mm. Okay. And do you notice a difference in how mothers and fathers deal with and process their child's diagnosis there? It definitely does. I think as a woman, it's quite a nature that we are more outspoken in sharing our feelings on how we feel about the diagnosis, about how we felt about the challenges and all that. But I think in terms of my husband, he's pretty much a person whereby he doesn't really talk much. Even when there was a stage of denial, he would just keep to himself. But I would say that I have a very supportive partner. In other words, that some fathers, they don't get involved in terms of the therapy session, but my husband do. 
he tried to be involved every time when there's a play. He tried to actually take time from his busy schedule to play with my son. And I think parents, including fathers, you guys are so important as well to help us embrace this journey together. Sometimes people would say that, especially Asia, they would say that it's always the mother responsibility to take care of the child. But it's not true. We need two percent at the same time to go through this together. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what was that acceptance process like for you and your husband? It was pretty hard, to be honest, because the first time when I still remember when the doctor was telling me that uh, your son may actually has autism. And when they finally diagnosed him with autism, I was pretty much upset, to be honest, because I was thinking like, is it because I didn't take care of my pregnancy well that causes all this? Is it because I ever did something wrong and then, you know, this hits me back? Is it my genetic? Is it my husband's genetic? It was really hard. But this boy is really a miracle. You know that every time when we talk about financial, about sending people for therapy and all that, we know it's costly. But when my son actually comes to our world, uh, everything really just falls in place. Even when time I don't even look for a job, people actually call me and say, hey, I found your resume. Your resume seems interesting. You know, can I I actually interview you and everything just falls into places if you want to say whether are you actually financially struggling in terms of being able to send him to therapy i would say no because it just comes and falls into places and i think it's god's will that he wants it to be in place and it was one time that i was actually questioning myself why does does actually i'm gifted with a special needs child and then after a while i i told myself that you know you need to embrace this there's always a reason why actually god gifted and choose you to take care of him maybe you can be a good mother to him rather than other ones out there so that's what kept me going all the time and in terms of my husband it's kind of the same there was one point of time we kept quiet and we felt that is it because something that we did is it our genetic but after we talk about it together we were thinking that no this is not the way we should be we should embrace this together and that's where we start to send him to therapy session we start to bring him out let him have fun play outside and we don't really care so much about what the community thinks anymore about my son Yeah, it's so important to work together also and having a solid support system will just go a long way for your child's life. Definitely. Can you talk about the kinds of services that are available for families there in Singapore? So in Singapore, actually, it's quite compulsory where we um, send our child for vaccination. So there will be like milestone checks uh, at the same time. So when they do suspect a delay in the development, the clinic will actually refer us to the hospital. So when we're at the hospital itself, there is going to be a few assessments done to determine on the diagnosis itself. That's one of the things that uh, government actually give to extend to actually create awareness as well about development milestone. And in case our son is actually suspect or diagnosed, they will actually recommend us to go for, we call it epic center over here so it's an early intervention center where all infant and children with disability go to they given support uh, system as well to prepare them for the admission of their mainstream or for them to go special school after six years old and after that there's also special school as well to support them in the mainstream there will be also special needs educators as well who are trained to take care of these kids in other words government also do give talks as well for all the parents out there to give awareness so these are the initiative that is given there's also subsidies as well for for parents but of course depending on your financial tiers at the same time so all these are actually given as well from the government Hmm, that's great so even with all of this government support there's still some kind of shame that families feel about their child's diagnosis they do as i shared it's because of when we were younger there was no educational understanding 
of this disability. So I think it would be good that moving forward, new generation, there's this kind of educational understanding as well. What kind of disability is there out there? And that's where when they grow up, they tend to be more accepting and understand that when my friends are like this, it's because they are special in their way. Because for now, this is lacking in terms of awareness. That's where whereby... You know, kids are just being kids. Their occupation is just to play, right? Mm-hmm. So when they feel that their friends is a bit different, then they will tend to like, I, I don't want to have to be your friend or something like that. So in terms of when they were younger, these things are not exposed at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so important to educate the youth because they're the future generation. Yes, definitely. Is there any ABA therapy in Singapore, applied behavior analysis? There is ABA services as well in Singapore be it by the government or be it by private therapists as well at the same time. So if you're actually interested to find out more for the rest who are actually looking for answers, you guys can actually tap into any of the ABA services out there. Everyone is actually trained to do so because in order for them to be certified, they have to go through several years of experience and training as well. So all these are also available out there. In any case, if you're wondering, what is ABA? Okay, great. And when you were looking for services for your son, what was that experience like? Because sometimes parents, they, you know, just go to Google and they, you know, so much information, misinformation comes up also. How are you as a parent able to choose what's best? For me, I did a lot of research, really a lot of research. Like you say, go to Google, search whatever therapy is there out there for our son. So for me, when I do the research, I also tap on communities as well. I try to join whatever support group out there in social media. I try to follow whatever Instagram there is and understand a bit better. I do a lot of callings. I do ask questions as well at the same time. So that's where you decide what's best for your child. Because some of the, I would say, places, like example, private institution, they do have like trial. They let you come in first, do some assessment, and you you have a sense somewhere or other. Are you comfortable with how they actually handle your son are you actually comfortable with how the assessment works and then from there you decide because I'm pretty much lucky actually when the first time I actually chose the private setting center that was the first and then that was the last until today Mm -hmm. so in other words it's important for you to actually do the research Mm -hmm. so are there any services for adults For adults, at the same time, there's also some private space as well for therapy for youth. So for these youths, they also go there to actually learn in terms of social skills, what they can do for employment as well. There's a few organizations that also give employment for autism as well. So these are a few platforms that they actually created to make sure that they give support as well for those special needs. Mm -hmm. Okay. What kinds of services does your son receive? So at this point of time, for him, I would say the weaknesses is because of his speech. So I'm currently sending him for speech therapy every week. I did share just now about EPIC, or we call it EPIC over here for the early intervention. But even that, you got to wait for a while, like six to nine months. So that shows like how many autism child or even special needs child is out there. It's a waiting list that we need to wait. So aside from waiting, that's what I do. I'll send him from private speech therapy to help him while waiting for the admission. Great. And is he able to communicate with simple words? Yeah, I'm really amazed that um, I'm actually not expecting that he's able to actually speak in sentences right now. You know, the difference between having a special child and a child who is able is that when you hear them being able to recognize colors, simple things like that, or even let's say transportation, 
you just find it like, wow, it's it's amazing. Because child at three or four years old, they'll be able to speak and tell you like, oh, I need to go to the toilet, so on and so forth. But our child can't. So, you know, when me as a special needs mother, when I actually hear that coming from him, it, it's really amazing. The happiness is way different than any others uh, could actually feel about it. But he's coping well at the same time. Even a teacher saying that he's coping slowly, but surely, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the story of maybe the first time that you heard him express his needs? Mm-hmm. The first time that I actually heard him expressing his needs is when he wanted to go to the toilet. So he was actually saying in Bahasa, saying that, Mom, I want to pee peace. So pee is basically, I need to, to actually pee, you know. So that was the first time I was like, where did you learn that from? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, he's expressing himself. Because most of the time, he would either like try to show gestures. Of course, we do not want him to continuously showing gestures. But when he says that, I was like, wow, that means you've been learning from school or you've been learning from whatever I've been repeating every time, every day. So yeah, in other words, I, I feel that we shouldn't give up. Even if you feel that they are not listening, they are actually listening. It's just that they didn't time to process all this as well. Yeah. So what are some of the things that he likes to do? What are some of his interests? <laughs> I think for now, his greatest interest is transportation. And to be honest with you, I am amazed as well that he can really memorize and recognize every vehicle, even some of the vehicles that I don't know. I even learned from him as well. So every pictures, I brought him a, a stack of a vehicles, a book. So he every time, every night, he would just flip the books and then he would show me like, this is car. This is yach. This is movers, you know. And it's amazing. Um, in other words, I believe there's some strength in them that we do not know. We just need to find out what is the strength and then we got to tap on it. Yes, exactly. Build on their strengths. Yeah. So as a special needs mother, when you think about his future, what comes up for you? Hmm. I've always been thinking that almost every day, to be honest. Because um, even like now, I'm just thinking sometimes during his meltdown, I would then have to even struggle to to help him put himself back in place. And I wonder, like, even one day that I'm gone, can he actually be independent himself in doing things? Will he ever get married and have his own generation to take care of him at the same time? Will he ever have a job outside there? Would would the community ever be accepting or would they still like be bullying at the same time? Because we need to remember that when they're actually young, they will become youth and they will become adult eventually. So how does the public would actually treat him at the same time? There's a lot of question mark in my head. But I know that as much as of now as I can, I need to push him further and further to actually improve himself and embrace this journey. Because if I don't, who will, right? Mm. But definitely there, there will be a lot of questions as well. Mm-hmm. And you also have another son. Yes, I do have another son, age of one now. What's the relationship like between Nasir and his younger brother? So as siblings, definitely there is like, um, I would say siblings rival. I would say it's like a love-hate relationship. Okay, one thing about Nasir is uh, he is very protective over his brother, despite he can't actually express himself. But whenever he sees the brother fall down, he would be the first person to immediately, you know, get up and actually help the brother. But at the same time, of course, kids will still be kids. When they play, they will still have some sort of like fighting over another. But he expressed his love very much to his brother. I realized that kids with autism, even those kids that I met out there, they are full of love, really. They are so sincerely full of love. Mm. Yeah, it's just about finding the way to communicate with them in their own way. Mm-hmm. All right, Ayu, you and your husband, Hita... As you mentioned, you have your own podcast called Parenting Made Special. Why did you decide to start this project? 
For both of us, to be honest, we are just normal parents. We are not an influencer in here in Singapore. So when we wanted to start the podcast, we wanted to start with one intention to help the parents out there to understand what autism is all about. Because when I have my son diagnosed with autism, I was a bit lost. I do not know where can I actually hear real stories. Am I the only one who's actually struggling and going through this? Is there anywhere that I can actually find help just to hear people talking, therapists coming forward to share their experiences or what I can learn? I cannot find anything in Singapore. Most of the time, it's either that they post in social media, but we as a working parent, you do not have time to sometimes look through the social media at the same time. So I was telling um, Hita, you know what? I think we should do this for the community. We should stop this stigma. We should stop this taboo that people is having about autism. Allow those working parents to actually hear and learn along the way while they're actually going to work, listen to podcasts, and these are the things that they can relate to. We want to make things more relatable. So for us, both of us had totally zero knowledge of podcasting. We went to <laughs> take up some courses to learn and start to approach people as well to see whether would you like to actually come in and be one of our guests and all that. So, yeah, that's how it started. It's just about, like I say, just one intention to help all the parents out there. Mm-hmm. You just launched in January, right? Yeah, pretty recent, just January. Okay. I think it's so important to make the information easily accessible. Like That's how you're going to help people feel that they're not alone and eventually break the stigma. Yeah, you're right. And even if as such, uh, it's really hard for us to also find guests to come forward as well. Because there were, there were a couple of guests that we actually asked, like, would you like to actually speak? And I think your story can be remarkable for people to hear and relate to. So they were saying that, no, I'm not ready to share. So there's still this stigma as well in between the, the guests list or even the community. Mm-hmm. Is it common for Singaporean people to talk about their feelings and problems, even unrelated to disabilities, but just in general? It depends. So some of them, they actually prefer to speak to someone that they are close with, but they are not as, I would say, extrovert to share their feelings or opinion. Mm-hmm. Especially on a podcast where it's publicly broadcasted. Definitely. Because some of them will say that, would you be showing my face? Would you be showing my name? And Which means that uh, they would rather choose to be anonymous at the same time. Is there a way that you can do that? For example, those, let's say, mainstream educators, is part of their contract that they cannot actually showcase their face out there to the public and etc. So some of them, we actually remain their identity anonymous. But even so, when we say, ah, we can do that, but after that, they remain silent thereafter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you can't push them, right? They'll come on their own time when they're ready. Yeah. And maybe even by hearing other people, other parents speaking up, they'll feel more encouraged to speak up themselves and see the value in it. Yeah, that's why I hope so as well. So when after we launched the podcast, we also went public as well to help and speak in a certain platform where people actually invited us to do so. And one thing that we felt great is we able to actually help those parents who actually sent us a DM and say that, you know what, my son has this and what do you think, uh, what are the things that I can help my son with? So in other words, it shows that it's relatable. People is listening and they're actually learning. So actually, we, we managed to actually catch the goal, at least the first goal that we actually wanted to. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you receive any criticism for speaking up? Me and my husband actually put this in our mind. Whatever criticism that we're actually going to receive, we're not really going to care. Because what we're doing is for the good of the community. It's nothing disgraceful. So it's more of like the stigma and taboo that they need to actually learn to vanish from their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes 
you know, you can't make everyone happy. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. And there's sometimes room to offend people in different ways that you're not even expecting, but you can't let that stop you. And you have to keep your eye on the main mission, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit different. I think in terms of our culture and the culture over at your end, I think you guys are more open in sharing the, you know, whatever they feel or whatever they, they actually understand about autism or disability. But over here, it's really difficult to get people to open up and talk. Mm-hmm. My mother is Filipino. Mm-hmm. And so I understand a lot about Southeast Asian culture. You know, I know it's different, the subcultures within, but I know what you're talking about. There's this idea that you just kind of have to brush everything under the rug. Like you don't really talk about the real problems. Yeah. Because it gets uncomfortable, it gets awkward, people don't know how to respond. Yeah. Because in Asia, we are always being brought up to always say that bring the good name of your family. But yes, bringing the good name of the family is one thing, but every family has issues and problems, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's one thing as well that people need to understand between bringing in the good name of the family and being open to certain things to listen. Yeah. And I think, you know, once someone starts, once one person kind of breaks that and shows the vulnerability, then it leaves a little bit of room for the other person to reciprocate. Like, oh, okay, I can actually talk about these things. And then it becomes a safe space. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for as well, that we wanted to create this safe space and people would say that it's okay to actually talk about all this kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. All right, Ayu, so you and your husband also founded your own clothing business, HA Mode, in which you design traditional batik and songket. Is that right? Songket? Yep, you're right. Apparel. Could you talk about that? When would people usually wear these types of prints? So my husband is Indonesian himself. So when I actually visited Jogja, I I really fell in love with how the designs of batik is. Every batik has a meaning to it. So most of the time, people usually use it for like, let's say, weddings, for those big events and all that. But I realized one thing that people don't make it affordable in Singapore. They make it expensive, in other words, for this batik and also songkit. So there was just one random day that I was telling my husband, you know what, I just wanted to make this affordable for all the Malay community out here to say that they can look good, wear affordable clothes, and then, yeah, with the whole family. So that's where we started this business since 2016, almost five years now. And it has been good at the same time because it makes us feel good when people are able to wear our clothes because it's affordable. Yeah, that's great. So this is actually your side business because you're also an HR. Yeah. So just in case you don't know, which I've not shared yet, I'm actually a human resource person in nature in terms of my corporate world. So HMO is actually my sideline business that I actually did together with my husband. Okay. So you and your husband work together in many ways from the clothing business to the podcast to raising your two children. Mm-hmm. So... What have you learned about marriage and partnership from working together? It's not easy. To be honest, it's not easy. Because especially when you have your business partner or, you know, they're working partner in the same roof as you, sometimes we may even talk about work during our family time at the same time. But I, I think all this actually bring us closer together. I 
begin to understand like you know every decision making that we we make we always have to have the decision together we speaks more we share more we discuss more to to explore things as well at the same time we become a better team member for each other so it actually helps us in terms of our marriage at the same time because we spend more time together doing things together we learn to trust each other in whatever decision we are making even when for this podcasting as well i trust him as well in terms of whatever technical that he going to do just to make this work so it really helps us in terms of our communication and one thing that i would advise for all parents out there in including whatever you want to do for your best of your child in whatever business terms or whatever communication is the main key anything that you are not comfortable with speak it out with your partner anything that you need help with seek help with your partner it's all about communication mhm mhm yeah exactly i've learned that also because my husband edits this podcast and <laughs> so we've we've had to learn a new way to communicate with each other and it's funny you're saying that sometimes the work conversation spills over to the family time mm-hmm. and we've had to set boundaries like okay we're not going to talk about how we're going to edit the podcast at lunch you know because also now because of covid we're 24/7 always together you know we can't go out even outside of our city because of the restrictions mm-hmm. so finding that balance i think is so important right I'm not going to lie and say that um I'm going to pin a beautiful picture and tell you that everything going to be smooth sailing for both of us. There will be time there is going to be a fight and a big fight and then we tend to not talk to each other at all about you know just work stuff but at the same time after the whole small fight at the end of the day we are still family. We will still going to come back and we still going to talk about it. That's where they say that sometimes family makes a good business partner at the same time. It depends on how <laughs> you actually see it. Oh yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially and then you throw in, you know, that you are raising a child with with autism and I don't mean to make it sound so negative but you know there's a high rate of divorce among parents of special needs children just because of the stress and sometimes there's blame on other people and maybe some people feel like the other is not putting in their part of responsibility or acceptance so it's important to talk about these things also so that people can kind of be reminded what it takes to have a healthy relationship. Yeah, you're right. It's not easy, but like I say again, it's really teamwork, especially raising a child with autism. I know it's not easy, but it's really the teamwork that we need to actually have the understanding that we're raising this child together. It's not about you as a mother, you take care of the child, well, I'm the father, I'm supposed to take care of in terms of the money income that's coming in now. It's important that they have both father and mother's love at the same time. Yeah. Could you give an example of how you and your husband practice that teamwork together when raising your kids? I think very simple gestures. For example, let's say when Nasis has a very bad meltdown, I would try first to be able to help him with that situation, and then my husband would actually see if he sees that I'm actually struggling, he would come in and have, okay, I'll take over. I got this. I got your back. These are the simple gestures that I would say. showing team work together aside from just spending time with the kids even simple things like this it makes a lot of difference because you felt that you are not alone struggling handling your child these are the simple gestures i think that fathers can even help out as well mhm and he he does give me me time as well mm-hmm. <laughs> and i do give him his time as well so that's where we have the balance of our having our own personal time 
Yeah, that's so important. So how do you practice self-care? I need to listen to music when things get really rough. That's what keeps me going. So when the times are really rough for me, when my kids are asleep, I'll listen to some music. I'll do some online shopping. <laughs> and that's how I actually show my self-care and self-love at the same time. I would do spend time with some close friends as well to just chit-chat and have some conversation. It doesn't have to be about my child. It can be about any other conversation. So I do uh, wind out as well to watch some Netflix. So these are the things that I, I also take care of myself. And parents need to understand that self-care and self-love is important for yourself too. You need time as well to give yourself some self-love and self-care. Yes, you know, there's that famous quote, you can't fill from an empty cup. Right, agree. All right, Ayu, let's wrap up with one last question. What advice would you give to other parents who maybe just find out that their child has autism, like they're in the early stage of receiving the diagnosis? I understand that to accept the fact that your child is different and has a disability, it's hard, especially when... No parent would want to give birth to a child who has a disability. Everybody wants their child to be healthy. Everybody wants a child that is uh, well. But again, just remind yourself that whatever you're going through, it's okay to have that denial stage. It's okay to, to be angry, but don't wait too long. Because I do have young parents out there, it, they take years to actually accept that. And by the time, there is a huge gap of delay for a child. So it's okay to have this denial stage, but don't take too long and give your best support for your child. Remember that the child is a responsibility that is given to us. So in other words, that is our responsibility as well to make sure that we embrace this together with them. We are the main caregiver that they will actually turn to when things get rough. And if you are not there, who, can, who else can they actually turn to? So be that best parent as you can. And no parent is a perfect parent. So it's okay if you're not a perfect parent. We're all learning, even myself. Yeah, wonderful. All right, Ayu, how can people learn more about you? So in any case, if you would like to actually listen to our podcast, it's going to be Parenting Made Special. We invited guests like parents, therapists, special needs educators as well to actually share their experience, their tips. At the same time, you can also follow us in Instagram at Hita and Ayu. In any case, if you have any questions or you just wanted to actually share about your bad day, your good days, go ahead. We are all yours. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think, you know, you're giving inspiration to a lot of parents and also you're building a community with your own podcast and helping people feel that they're not alone and that they have a place to go for resources. You are my inspiration, Rachel, for setting this up list. <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned this from you, to be honest. Yeah. So actually, you are my inspiration oh. for this. Oh, yeah. thank, thank you. Thank you instead. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really nice of you to say. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. As Ayu mentioned, communication is key. From resolving marital disputes to breaking autism stigmas, engaging in fruitful conversations in which you listen to learn, not simply to win or be right, can result in real solutions and sustainable change. Through their platform, Ayu and her husband are cultivating a safe space for their community to feel that they are not alone. Talking openly about the struggles and joys related to autism can help validate other parents' feelings and model that disability shouldn't remain taboo. 
Speaking up can be scary and sometimes even dangerous. It's easy to feel frustrated, judged, and rejected. However, if we can share from our heart, we give other people a chance to do the same. In psychology, this phenomenon is described as emotional contagion. In other words, we have the power to create a ripple effect of compassionate understanding and human connection. When was the last time you shared yourself authentically? How can you create welcoming spaces for people around you? Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.